It looked two-dimensional. The only thing I can say is it was blacker than the other shadows, and that's what was drawing my attention to it. Welcome to episode 128 of the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast and the Ghost Stories Part 6 episode. Did you catch that? The bells jingling, the holiday spirit as it is. That's right. We are carrying on the age-old tradition of telling spooky stories during the holiday season with this episode much like people would do all over the world before the advent of electricity, and especially podcasts, way before podcasts came around. This is a quick history lesson before we really get going. This telling of scary, spooky ghost stories around Christmas time really reached its peak in Victorian England around the years of 1837 and 1901. Now, why did people sit around and tell each other scary stories during Christmas or Yule? as I like to call it. Boredom is really the simple answer. Telling stories during the darkest time of the year, it gave people something to do. That's why you watched six episodes of the series Friends last night before you went to bed, right? Well, it gets dark really early this time of year. You're not ready to go to sleep yet, so it's story time. Another facet of this telling of scary stories during Christmas, Yule, the the heart of winter. In other words... People in those times, in olden times, would all gather around a fire, kind of in the central part of the house, near a fireplace. That was where it was warm. Because remember, there was no central heating back then, right? So they were all kind of stuck together in this house. Everybody who lived in the house, they'd huddle together for warmth around the fire. Well, why not tell stories about ghosts and other things that go bump in the night while you're all together like that? Uh, During Victorian times, This telling of ghost stories around Christmas did get a very big boost due to the Industrial Revolution and the availability of mass-produced, mass-printed books, periodicals, magazines, that kind of thing. A cheap reading material that was also coupled with higher literacy rates. Uh, Here comes Charles Dickens with a bunch of Christmassy ghost stories. And that's right, he did tell several Christmassy ghost stories Other than A Christmas Carol. Yeah, look it up. It's true. It's a true fact. That's a recipe for moving the oral tradition of scary stories, telling scary stories at Christmas time, to reading pre-written or pre-made stories out of a book or like a Penny Dreadful or something like that. Consumerism, that was one of the things that really was the birth of consumerism during Christmas, this telling of ghost stories from books and magazines that people could buy for cheap in Victorian England. That consumerism that consumes us to this day has been fueling the Yule Log since Victorian times. How'd you like that? That was pretty good. So what we're going to do with this episode, we're going to continue to fuel that consumerism, that tradition of telling ghost stories during the darkest time of year, Christmas time, with this series of paranormal encounters. Well, first, though, I would like to mention, you could have heard some of these scary stories earlier this month if you had joined the Bobcast Patreon. I want to say I am likely only going to be doing one regular Bobcast episode a month for the foreseeable future, but the Patreon will more than likely get updated weekly. The Bobcast Patreon membership starts at a dollar a month for the lowest tier, That'll get you some early release stuff, some exclusive Bobcast episodes, special content you can't get anywhere else. There is access to free merchandise with higher tiers, higher membership levels of the Patreon. The Bobcast Patreon, what I'm trying to say, it's like Christmas morning every day of the year. It's a beautiful thing. I have been a very busy little elf on the Patreon this month. You should join. Check it out. Go to patreon.com slash I want to party with Bob. There you can sign up. You will definitely be making my spirits bright if you did join. Well, thank you. Moving on. Here's what we've got coming down the chimney for you in this episode. First up, we have the ghosty girls, Grace and Vivi. They're going to tell their tale of some strangeness at Rancho Los Amigos in Downey, California. 
Then, something a little different follows Grace and Vivi. We've got Hannah and Ivy of the Ghoul's Trip podcast and blog. They're going to tell us some stories from Alcatraz, some ghost stories from Alcatraz, including a Christmas ghost story from that very same and supposedly very haunted prison. I do want to note the Ivy and Hannah, the Ghoul's Trip segment is the only segment in this episode where the storytellers didn't actually experience what they're talking about, the events of the story. However, Alcatraz is a dream location for Hannah and Ivy to investigate at some time in the future. So they're joining us to carry on the tradition of telling ghost stories during the Yuletide season. And it's really great. I love it. It was absolutely great talking to them. After the Ghoul's Trip segment, we're going to take a little break from the stories that we're going to listen to a song in keeping with the season. Yes, it is a Christmas song. The Angry Snowman's Return to the Bobcast, this kind of Christmassy episode in some ways with the song Ebenezer Uber Allies. <laughs> oh my God, it is incredible. Scrooged, yeah, we're getting Scrooged by the Angry Snowmans in this episode. And it's a perfect song for the tail end of a Christmas ghost story. Angry Snowmans are gonna sing a little ditty all about your favorite haunted Victorian Ebenezer Scrooge. And that's what Angry Snowmans do. They take these classic punk songs and they Christmasize them. They give them like a Christmas theme. It's absolute genius. It's great. Uh, after the Angry Snowman song, we're going to get back to the ghost stories. Amanda Paulson will be up right after them. Her tale is of a very weird night that she spent at the Melange Inn. And that inn is located in Hendersonville, North Carolina. The last story we're going to unwrap in this episode of Ghost Stories is a newcomer to the Bobcast, Mr. Craig Owens, and he's got a tale of a very eventful and very strange photo shoot at the Mission Inn of Riverside, California. At the very end of this episode, I'll tell you how you can learn more all about the storytellers in this episode. Please check them out further. They're all absolutely incredible. I'd also like to say getting to talk to people and investigators like Ghosty Girls, Hannah and Ivy of Ghoul's Trip, uh, Amanda of Pretty F and Spooky, and Craig Owens of Bizarre Los Angeles, that makes every day seem like Christmas for me here on the Bobcast. Yes, indeed. They're all amazing people. Very awesome. Paranormal's finest, I would say. Uh, finally, after Craig's story and before the end of the episode, is a cover of my favorite Love and Rockets song, Haunted When the Minutes Drag. In this case, that song is performed by the band Collide, or musical group, I guess you should say Collide. I'm not really sure how what their dynamic is. But this song... It is absolutely incredible and perfect for this episode. Haunted when the minutes drag. Yes, a Collide does that song way more than justice. It might even be better than the original. I'll go out on a limb and say that. Please stay tuned for that coming up near the end of the episode. Well, here we go. Sit back, relax, stoke the Yule log, and warm yourself for the chills ahead. Here's Grace and Vivi or the Ghosty Girls with the very first story. Okay, so I think like, um, I believe like a couple months ago, we went to Rancho Los Amigos in Downey of LA. So we got inside this place. We totally didn't trespass because we would never do that. And Vivian was like, we saw this building. Vivian's like, oh, can I go in the building? Please, 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 please. And my mom and I were like, okay, let's go. So we found a little, like, little hole in the wall that we climbed through. And we were walking around. We didn't have any equipment, equipment on us because we were like, I don't know, like, should we go see this place? I bet we won't go in. And we got in. And so we were walking around and we heard heavy footsteps above us. Me and my sister Vivian uh, went upstairs and we, we, we checked out the place up there. There's no one up there. So we went, so we came back down and we started uh, walking again. And then there's a heavy footsteps again and there was a dragging sound. So me and Vivian went upstairs again Nothing was there, and my mom was like, I didn't hear y'all's footsteps at all up there. So we're like, oh, that's weird. So then we started walking around, or my mom's like, I think we should go. It's getting a little dark and scary. Yeah, we didn't have 
and thinking our phones are about to die. And when your phones are about to die, that usually means, or the battery drains fast, that usually means like a ghost is taking it, like taking the, like the battery powered energy, yeah, and using it for itself, which we think might have been what we heard from the footsteps really loud. And this place was built, and this place was a poor farm for poor people work stuff 132 years ago. And it became a hospital. After that, it became an insane asylum. So I did some of our history when we went home. And Vivian, what did you find? I found out that um, apparently there was a dead body found inside of a freezer while it was still operating. For this episode, we are going to bring you the story of one of our dream haunted locations that we want to investigate together. Alcatraz! Yeah, so not only are we going over the history and haunted history, because it's December, we also have a Christmas-related um, haunting at this location. So Alcatraz is located in San Francisco Bay in California, and the small island of Alcatraz was developed with various facilities such as a lighthouse, military prison, and a federal prison from 1934 until 1963. The island is home to one of the earliest abandoned prisons, oldest lighthouse on the west coast, and early military establishments. So during its time as a federal prison, it was known for housing inmates that were causing trouble in other prisons, also making it hard to escape since it was in the middle of a bay with unpredictable water currents, so where else would you want to put a prison? So this uh, location, this prison, had a lot of nor- notorious um, criminals in there, such as Machine Gun Kelly, not the rapper, and also Al Capone. The prison claimed that no prisoner had successfully escaped. There were very various attempts, but it's said that most drowned. It's also said during the Battle of Alcatraz, a violent prison revolt, the most famous escape attempt occurred. Three inmates were believed to have drowned in their attempt, but in popular belief, they swam to shore and escaped. The prison closed in 1963 as the costs were tripled of other prisons and the salt water had eroded the prison. Today, it's managed by the National Parks Service, which allows tours of the facility. And to get there, it's a 15-minute ferry ride on the bay. But also, prior to its use as a prison, the land belonged to indigenous people, which Ivy will talk about more in the next section. Yeah, so now we're going to get into the haunted history, which is the most exciting part. So like Hannah said, prior to this island being used as a prison, it belonged to the indigenous Ohlone people and was used to isolate people who broke tribal law. And it was also used as a place to camp and gather food. But I've also read that it was believed by the indigenous people that evil spirits inhabited this island. So anyone who was isolated there had to live among the evil spirits. I will say, though, I'm not 100% sure on the legitimacy um, in regards to evil spirits. Every source that mentioned them didn't list their sources for that. And as we know, people like to play up evil indigenous spirits a lot. So I'm not sure um, where this came from, but I'd love to find out someday if that is Mm -hmm. a true belief from the indigenous people. Regardless, though, to no surprise, Alcatraz has gone on to carry its fair share of haunted happenings inside due to its history as a prison and the many deaths and the suffering that took place here, with it often being referred to as America's most haunted prison. Besides for typical signs of a haunting, like doors slamming and hearing footsteps or phantom voices, There are several other popular ghost stories from Alcatraz, with a lot of it actually happening while the prison was still active, which is where most of the legends come from. It is said that guards would hear phantom cannons and gunshots followed by screams, which sounded so real that they would hear this and believe that prisoners must have obtained weapons somehow and escaped. And I believe that this is due to Uh, I think it was sometime in the late 1800s, maybe, or early to mid-1800s. I'm not sure. At some point, there was um, a battle that did go on there. So I think that's where that would have come from. Uh, But the D block at the prison is said to be one of the most paranormally active areas of the prison, both today and when it was functioning as a prison. 
Uh, it is also referred to as the treatment unit, and this is where inmates were held that had no contact with the general population. Five of the remaining six cells in this block were known as the hole, with people reporting that it was always cold there no matter the time of year, along with strong sudden cold drafts. Um, a lot of people give this a paranormal twist, but this was largely due to the area facing the Golden Gate Bridge and getting worse drafts um, than other areas. And while it was open as a prison, it was known as being the coldest area of the prison, which just made it that much more worse for the inmates that were held there. So the last strip cell was even worse though than these other few because it was designed in a way to cause deprivation of peripheral senses. Uh, seeing as it was pitch black, it was isolated and quiet, and it contained nothing but a hole in the ground for prisoner waste. Inmates in there were also usually naked in the cell and were given a restricted diet. And they were given a sleeping mattress at night, but it was taken away from them during the day. Um, thankfully, though, they supposedly weren't held in this particular cell for more than one or two days at a time. But many people today attribute some hauntings here to the cruel treatment of many of these inmates, or it's attributed to a possible entity that supposedly harassed inmates while the prison was still running. This is where things get a little bit creepier. On one occasion, a man in the hole began to scream that someone with glowing eyes was in there with him. And this entity was dubbed as The Thing, because apparently he wasn't the only person to encounter it. It is said that guards would sometimes joke about these ghostly happenings and would ignore the screams of scared inmates and would return to find them dead the following morning, uh, sometimes with handprints on their necks as if someone had strangled them, which is very spooky. Yeah. It is possible that this happened at the hands of guards. Um, we know a lot of sketchy stuff kind of happened in there between guards and inmates. But uh, today, visitors in this area will report feeling like they are being suffocated. So during the 1940s, a former guard at the prison reported that a man dressed in older prison-style clothing was sometimes spotted walking the hallways next to the strip cells, and <laughs> random terrible smells seemed to manifest out of nowhere. Some people do believe that, like, if evil entities like demons manifest or the thing that can be associated with like the smell of sulfur and stuff so who knows guards would also often line up the convicts for a daily count and there would sometimes be one more prisoner in line than there should have been and usually this appeared to be a recently deceased inmate in line who would then vanish in front of everyone. Another interesting story is that during a tour of the prison, uh, the warden Johnston heard the sounds of a woman sobbing coming from the dungeon, and this was also witnessed by several of the guests on tour. And I did read that he apparently was one of the people at the prison that didn't think it was haunted, and he even he like experienced this. He heard a woman sobbing and was just like changed by it. More recently, in 2014, some visitors took a photograph that showed a young woman staring into the camera, which startled them because they insisted that no one else was there with them at the time and this mysterious apparition has been dubbed the ghost woman of Alcatraz and it is undetermined who she could have been and if you want to see this picture I think you can just google the ghost woman of Alcatraz and it'll pop up right there. There's literal heaps of stories of hauntings related to Alcatraz so I could go on forever but I'm just going to cover <laughs> one more famous uh, story of a haunting which is one of my favorite ones attributed to uh, Alcatraz and it is the spirit of Al Capone it is said that the spirit of Al Capone is said to still be heard playing his banjo here Capone did spend his last few years in the prison playing the banjo I've heard 
different things. Some people say it was for the prison's band and that he often practiced playing in the prison's showers because he didn't want to practice alone out of fear of being killed. But I've also read that some instruments weren't allowed, so he could have been playing in there for that reason as well, to hide it from the guards. But either way, he played the banjo, and today the sounds of banjo playing can be heard coming from the showers, and it is unknown if this is a residual type of haunting from the many times he played, or maybe his spirit is still hanging out there or pops by for the occasional shower concert, who knows. (laughs) We did save... Um, another really good and festive Alcatraz haunting for last. Um, And from here, I'm going to let Hannah take over. Yeah, so like I said, even the spirits have some Christmas spirit. So we were doing some research on the place and we found an article written by Mental Floss by Claire Coxdarkey. And she wrote that one of the more famous tales associated with the island supposedly happened in the 1940s when Warden James Johnson, who Ivy mentioned previously, held a Christmas Day party at his residence for the staff of the prison. The good cheer is said to have brought a swift halt when an apparition sporting mutton chops, whiskers, and a gray suit appeared. So he's fashionable for one. He had the mutton chops, you know, looking good. I I like how, like, detailed they were with, the apparition. (laughs) Yeah, and then it's also said the temperature in the room plummeted and the fire blew out before returning to normal when the spirit disappeared a minute later. This rattled the guards and they were too scared to stay in the residence and the rest of the Christmas celebration ended abruptly. We also wanted to include the sources we used. So we used the Wikipedia page for the Alcatraz Penitentiary, um, an article called The History of Alcatraz, America's Most Haunted Prison that was on the Arcadia Publishing website. The article Seven Spine-Tingling Tales of Christmas Ghosts by (laughs) Cox Starkly in 2017. The post on the, I'm going to butcher this word, the post on the Britannica titled Alcatraz Island. The art- article Alcatraz, the most feared prison in history by Andre Tapalega. I'm so sorry if I butcher that, for historyofyesterday.com. <laughs> and the article Ghosts of Alcatraz, California by Kathy Weiser for legendsofamerica.com.
So my friend invites me down to her inn um, to investigate it. And it's in Hendersonville, North Carolina. She also owns a cabin down in uh, North Carolina as well. That's like, if I remember correctly, it was like 20 minutes away. Um, So I stayed in the cabin two nights and then I was to stay in the inn one night and investigate. First of all, the Appalachian like mountains, I don't know if you've been down there, but it is incredible. Everywhere I went once I got down there felt so, I don't know, haunted, I guess, for lack of a better word, but also just like dense with energy. It really is something else. And I had never really experienced that before. But staying in this cabin in particular was like in this nice little, uh, on this nice little piece of land that had um, a little lake and like all these big trees and like a bamboo forest, which I didn't know there was bamboo in North Carolina. But, and, and so I thought I was going to, I did spend a nice little couple days there. It was pretty relaxing. I didn't expect for the cabin itself to also be haunted, um, but she didn't let me know that ahead of time. And I kind of ended up finding out in a way that there was some energy in this cabin on my own. And then I confirmed with her that there was actually the owner of this land beforehand was probably buried on the property because apparently in North Carolina, you can bury your loved ones on your own property. And she had found what looked like a headstone on the on the property. Anyway, my time spent in the cabin was interesting in itself. And I felt like it just kind of kicked off the time that I had in North Carolina because there was some activity. I used my um, spirit box and got some interesting responses in the cabin and overall just had this like, very magical, like energetic time in this cabin. Um, but when re- when things really kicked off was when I finally made it to the Melange Inn in Hendersonville. And um, I didn't know beforehand that actually no one was staying at the inn, which seems to be a common thread for me, staying alone in these, in these haunted inns and bed and breakfasts. And so she was like, good news, nobody else is staying here. <laughs> And I was like, that's great. <laughs> I, I'm grateful, but also terrified. And this place, I, I've stayed alone at the Lizzie Bourne house, which was terrifying. But this place is probably three times the size of the Lizzie Bourne house. It's just massive. It was really cool to be there alone. This, It's a beautiful inn. Um, but after kind of getting my feel for the place, I realized that this place was indeed haunted. And like I said, the owner... She had kind of been inclined to believe it was haunted. I think she had had a couple stories from guests that she had had stay recently that um, told her about some activity in the house, but it was nothing too crazy. I I think she got, she had a story from her daughter. Um, She had a story from somebody who stayed about a phantom smell. And then she also had a story from a couple who stayed in this attic room who said that they had seen somebody in the middle of the night climb out of the closet and walk out the door, which is so scary. I when, when she told me that, I was like, oh my goodness, that's really scary. And the uh, story from her daughter was that her daughter and her friend were staying in the basement at one time because they've had family gatherings at this place. And they were staying in the basement and saw two um, eyes like uh, from a dog down there. So they saw a dog spirit down there, which is interesting. And then this phantom smell. So. I get to the end, they drop me off, we went to dinner and then they drop me off. And at first I turned, the, they had a speaker system for like the whole inn. And so I turned the music up and <laughs> I was just having a grand old time. I was like, well, I'm gonna let myself relax a, bit, a little bit. So I listened to some music. I uh, put my leftover food away and kind of settled in for the night. But my night began by doing a spirit box session in the bottom floor, I guess it would be called I want to say living room, but it's it's a huge mansion, so it's not really a living room. It's like a sitting room, I guess. And I decided to do like a Instagram live Estes session with my friend Celeste. And so I put my blindfolds my blindfold on and my headphones on, and we're doing an Estes session. And something that really stuck out to me during this session was that the image of a little boy came into my head, and it wasn't just any little boy it was a little boy popping his head out from underneath the table cloth in front of me and he had this like really scary grin on his face which was a bizarre i i'm very new to any kind of visions i wouldn't say i'm somebody who has visions but i do find that sensory deprivation helps me tap into that like kind of you know third eye sort of 
medium ability. Yeah. So I saw this image of this boy and and I was like, can you please back away? I don't know what this is, but it, it kind of spooked me. We did kind of get some answers on the spirit box that it was a little boy. I think it said maybe it was seven or something like that, seven years old. But in later I found out that there were stories of somebody hearing what sounded like a ball going down the stairs. So it made me think maybe it was connected to this boy spirit. Well, we decided to end the assist session and I go um, upstairs to, or all the way upstairs to the attic. Um, and up in the attic is where is where I, I was staying for the night. And it had like, it was massive. It was the size of the entire house. It had an extra bedroom, a bathroom, and it had these weird closet doors that went into the rest of, like into the walls, you know, like where the insulation is. That's what I'm trying to say. But for some reason they had multiple doors like that and they were kind of like half the size of me and I'm 5'3". So it was like, these little mini doors that would open up and then it would just be like creepy attic, you know? And so that was scary. I ended up putting my bags in front of the, the door next to the bed. I was like, I'm gonna just barricade myself in here. I wanna say I hopped off live at one point or somewhere along the, the night, I ended up off of Instagram live, but walking around on the second floor, which is some other bedrooms. This is designed to be an inn where multiple people can stay. So they're all separate numbered rooms. And I was walking around in that area and I smelled like, I think to me, it smelled like cologne kind of, like I couldn't put my finger on it, but I did smell this distinct perfumey smell in this one room. When later um, I talked to the owner, I found out that like the smell that people have described is actually in that room, the phantom smell. And it was so fascinating because I was standing in this room and I like sniffed and I could smell it. And by the time I recognized that I was smelling something, then the smell was gone. And I walked around and trying to smell it, trying to find it and could, couldn't find it again. And that was actually, I think my first experience with a phantom smell that like moved like that. Like I've had some instances where I've gotten the thought of a smell. You think of roses, you know, and then you think of the smell of roses, but I've never like physically smelt something and smelled it move away without there obviously being a person there. So, so that was another fascinating um, piece of activity, but this is all leading up to the best piece of evidence, best piece of activity that happened this night. And I have it actually on my Instagram live that's posted on my Instagram, which I love. So people can go and watch and listen to it. But I ended up uh, hopping on another live with my friend Celeste to do an Estes session, but this time up in the attic. And I was pretty spooked up there uh, in my video on live. You can see me kind of like, I try to put the headphones on and then I take them off and I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm spooked, I'm freaked out. Um, and there was a definitely kind of a different energy up there not bad but where you could kind of feel like something was with you and that was kind of preventing me from wanting to put blindfold on and at one point so we we start the Estes session and I have the blindfold on and we're, we're getting some good stuff and then at, at one point later I decide I'm not going to wear the blindfold I'm just going to turn around from because the blindfold for people who are listening is so that you can't see somebody talking or see what they're trying to ask you you're trying to really just not have any bias so i'm thinking i'll just turn around from the camera and i won't look um but then i don't have to scare myself like to death you know and i can kind of see my surroundings so i have the phone on a table in the middle of the attic room i have the door to the attic open and then the camera's face so you can see like part of me and then the staircase going down and um, this Estes session had a lot of intelligent responses, which was really fascinating. I think we got some answers. One thing that was interesting is it said that it could only, that it could only manifest when it rained, which was interesting, something about only when it rains. And then I, I think we got some answers about there being a woman there, maybe about somebody murdering somebody else, just tons of like really cool, specific intelligent answers but one thing that's super super cool that we caught on video is during my assist session when i cannot tell what's going on at all all of a sudden you hear a dog start barking and this is like in the middle of the night it's like midnight and i hadn't heard a dog at all the rest of the night um and this dog on live starts barking out of nowhere and the bark 
specifically sounds like it has that kind of echo as if it was in the marble floored lobby of the hotel like because this whole hotel is very echoey it's all marble and um, big wide open you can hear the dog bark quietly at first and then it gets louder and it fe- it sounds like it's just down the stairs like in the lobby and it goes on for about I think 20 seconds and Celeste even everyone in the chat is like do you hear that and then it just stops and it doesn't happen again at all the rest of the night and I was on live for probably a total of at least an hour more that night and I never heard a dog at all and if you remember I said that the daughter had a story about her friend and her staying in the basement and seeing a dog and I have never in my life caught the sound or anything regarding an animal spirit on an investigation ever and it was so bizarre and random and something I didn't expect like I wasn't even going to try to communicate with this dog I didn't bring a trigger object I wasn't like trying to play with ghost dog it just happened and you know if you listen to the the live it just it's there's no barking beforehand and no barking after and sure there could be there could have been a dog being let out to a bathroom or something but I did confirm with the owner of the inn that there are no dogs at the neighboring houses um and this house also is it has massive grounds too so like uh, it would be weird. It doesn't make any sense for this dog to be that close to the house. I think if I remember right too, on one side of the house, there's just a street even, and it's not a house and they have like huge amount of land and like a building behind them that they own. So anyway, this dog though, none of that matters because this dog absolutely sounded like it was coming from the bottom floor of the inn with that specific echo. That was super cool. Uh, when I, found out later that that was on camera I thought that that was super interesting that wasn't the only weird thing that happened on that Instagram live I think also at one point when I had the headphones or the blindfold off I was looking towards the staircase and um, I can't hear anything and so I have no idea what's going on 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 my phone or anything and I ended up seeing a shadow pass in front of the um, and it was weird too because it wasn't like a solid shadow almost as if maybe somebody was walking behind me and it cast a shadow on the door that led to downstairs. But I distinctly saw a shadow move. And because I'm sitting completely still, it startled me. And um, at the same time, I, I, if I remember correctly, I also heard like a, a specific name. It was The spirit box at that time came through really clear, but I wouldn't have it on, uh, on video because at the same exact time, my phone had died all the way down to 20%. And my iPhone notice of 20% battery came up, which paused the live session for a good like two minutes and I didn't know about it. And before I had started that live, I had 70% battery on my phone. So I did not expect for the battery to drain. And if anyone knows, battery screening is one of the you know signs of there being paranormal activity because it said, you know, they can manifest by drawing energy from batteries and so my battery drained it paused the video me seeing the shadow and me saying the things I heard on the spirit box are not recorded at all no one had any idea what was going on and I only turned around and saw that my phone had stopped alive because I got so startled from the shadow I took everything off and turned around and then looked at it and I was like oh my god did you guys see that and they were like we haven't there's been nothing going on for like two minutes so and and after I got off live and I said, you know, okay, I'm done investigating for the night. I sat on my bed and watched TV and and ate my leftovers. And uh, as I'm laying in bed the whole night, I could see this shadow. This is and this is a new thing too for me. I haven't always seen. It. There's got to be something to be said about kind of opening up a door or opening up your third eye or something to this activity because in earlier years of me investigating, I was not seeing shadows left and right. I honestly, there's been times where I thought people were out of their mind for saying they saw shadows. But now I think I can put myself in a space uh, or a place of mind that allows me to have more activity like that happen. And that, that night at the inn, the rest of the night, I could see the shadow kind of dart out of the corner of my eye around that table and like behind this couch that was over there and interestingly it never moved over to where I was and I don't know why it didn't move over to me if I had set some kind of boundary I don't know I also had some crystals on that table 
that were intended to protect me. And I was like, maybe it's creating some kind of threshold. I don't know. I have no idea what that was about, but it also lines up with the story that the couple that had stayed in this room had said, which was that it looked like they saw somebody come out of the closet in the middle of the night. Well, the shadow was actually right in front of that same closet. So it was, it, everything that happened to me was validated by multiple claims of people staying there. And yeah, it was just an incredible, incredible time. And that on top of the, the cabin in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains just made me convinced that North Carolina is absolutely haunted and an incredible place to visit. So yeah, that is one of my favorite ghost stories of the last half of 2021. My first scariest moment, uh, now actually, my scariest moment actually happened during a photo shoot at the Mission Inn in Riverside, California. And I was there during the Great Recession. It was August, 110 degree heat in the day. And there was hardly anyone staying in the hotel. In fact, there were more employees staying there than, than actual guests. And I decided that I wanted to do a vintage themed shoot there. So I found a model and we got a wardrobe look together and we decided to spend uh, three nights at the Mission Inn. And so we drove and I took this big suite up on the fourth floor. She had the room directly, directly below me. Well, almost from day one, we, well, when we arrived, we checked in and then we did a shoot. Nothing happened during the shoot. And it was about three, four in the morning. I was so darn tired. I just slept on top of the bed and she went down to the, her room. The next morning I go up and I get up and I run some errands and I'm staying in the Carrie Jacobs bond suite, which didn't have any haunted reputation that I could find online. It just had really cool Gothic architecture interior. And I thought it would be a great location to shoot some like 1920s vintage photos. So when I come back from running my errand, it was about 12. I opened the door and I, I heard the sound of someone rummaging through the bathroom and I thought it was housekeeping. Uh, and so I called out, hello, I'm here, no sound. So I walked back into the bathroom nothing's there no one's there and so I, I i just kind of shrug it off and go huh that's weird so i sit down at my computer i'm waiting for the model to wake up she told me not to disturb her until after three or whatever so i'm on the computer checking things and then i start hearing other weird noises coming from inside my suite and now the carrie jacobs bond suite used to be a women's i didn't know this at the time but at but it used to be a women's meeting place, like a social parlor. So it had two levels. Nowadays, it's a suite where, you know, you can spend the night there. But back in its heyday, it wasn't. It was just a tea room, you know, and social where women got together and played cards. Well, up in that upstairs loft area, I started hearing the sound of coins falling one by one on like a wooden surface. And I, and I still was shrugging it off because I was like writing an email and, you know, God forbid anyone interrupt me from writing an email, right? So I ignore it, but I, I am paying attention to it, but I'm not going to jump up and investigate or anything. I wasn't there to paranormal investigate. I was actually there to just do a photo shoot. Then I heard the sound of women's heels clack, clack, clacking, like it's about to come right, like a woman's about to come right down the stairs behind me. And that's when I just abruptly ended my email because the, the women's heels, that was, that was different. So I just said, I think I got a ghost. Better go investigate, send. And so I, I did bring a, some audio recorders to take notes. And I did know that the Mission Inn had a haunted reputation. So, you know, so I, I decided I'd at least carry some gear just in case something happens. And sure enough, this was one of those incident, instances where something happened. So I went up, grabbed my recorder, and I went upstairs and I did a 10-minute 
what's called an EVP session, which is a question and answer session. And I never really done a full EVP thing. It's just stuff I had seen on TV. And so I got to tell you, uh, I heard no noises. I was listening very intently and I felt like the biggest fool ever talking. You know, is anyone here? Um, can you come closer? What's your name? There's nothing more like ridiculous than sitting by yourself talking to nothing as if there's somebody, you know? So after 10 minutes, I went, screw this, enough of this. So I did listen and I thought I heard a voice, but I didn't have headphones. I didn't have any, like, like I said, I wasn't there to ghost hunt. So I got real excited because it sounded like this really faint little voice, which I did not hear. And I was listening very intently at the time. And so I, uh, I found like a local like radio shack or something and I bought some headphones and I put them on and sure enough, it was a female voice. And so I got real excited, almost too excited because I stopped like paying attention so much to the, the vintage shoot. And I was now thinking ghosts the whole time. Is there a ghost? So the next day, you know, uh, this real foul smell came into the room and we couldn't even stay in there to shoot. And it turned out to be a hidden refrigerator that suddenly went bad. But for a while there, I was hoping, oh God, I hope it's not, <laughs> I hope it's not paranormal, but there's this really rotting smell. So the hotel was very apologetic, wanted, you know, offered to move me to another room or whatnot. And I said, no, I like this room. But on the final night, I was going to move to another room because I'd shot enough in this space. So I wanted to rent another suite. I did something on my next to the last day. And this might've been what triggered what happened next, which became my scariest time. There was this suite that I knew was supposed to be haunted and it was called the Aunt Alice suite. And so I asked to get a tour of it because I never got to see inside of it for the possibility that I may switch rooms there instead of the Mirador Alhambra suite, which was almost across the way, which I had already rented. And and I didn't really know much about any paranormal stories with uh, the Alhambra suite, but everyone seemed to talk about this and Alice suite. So when she was showing me this to look around, she gets a call and she leaves the room, uh, the whole space. So I had gotten my ghost stories confused, which is easy to do with misinformation on the internet. And there was something about a most haunted suite that had a spiral staircase that people felt like they were being pushed on. So there was no spiral staircase in the Aunt Alice suite, but there was kind of a cool staircase. So I thought, well, they must've gotten their info wrong. This, this must be the haunted staircase. So while she's gone, I get on that staircase and I get rude. <laughs> you know, I'm like going, I don't believe you exist. If you're a ghost, push me down these stairs, push me down these stairs. Come on, come on, you know? And uh, so I was antagonizing, which I don't do anymore. But back then, you know, I, I was just repeating what I saw in paranormal shows, you know. And so I was like, come on, push me. I'm not afraid of you. And um, nothing happened. And so I decided, well, I'll just stick with the Alhambra suite. You know, it, it's larger. So when it came time for me to move into the Alhambra suite, oh, my God, I hated that suite. There was like just this real, I can't quite describe it, except that I felt very unnerved, like I didn't want to be in there. It was, I just felt the atmosphere was thick. And the whole time I kept thinking to myself, God, what's wrong with me? Because this is like the most popular suite. It's like one of the most expensive suites at the Mission Inn. I mean, presidents have stayed there. Movie stars have stayed there. Old Hollywood stars have stayed there. I mean, it's known for being a great suite. So why do I feel like I don't want to be alone in here to do a photo shoot or much less I was going to spend the night there? And so I was like, ah, oh, what? Come on, Craig, snap out of it, snap out of it. It's, it's a beautiful room. I, I, there's nothing wrong with it. It never left. That feeling never left. And I started having problems with lights and uh, not not technical problems it's just that it was like i was losing focus and suddenly 
the lighting, no matter how many lights I would put in a certain area, it wouldn't light it enough to take a decent picture. And I'm like going, gosh, I'm just getting frustrated because nothing was like really working the way I envisioned it. And, and then when I was, and even just trying to hook up my laptop required crawling under a table. And one of the first things that happened was that um, the model was standing right at the table. I was under the table in the bedroom trying to hook up my laptop. And right next to the bedroom is this really long living room. This was where we were going to be shooting. It was in this den, big social room. And there was a crash from inside that room. And I you know, crawled out from under the table and I looked around and I said, well, what was that noise? And the look on the model's face was like, like she had seen a ghost. And she goes, that, oh, it happened over there. And I said, did you see it? And I said, no, but what, what she determined is that in that room there, she had brought in a bottle of water, drinking water in a plastic bottle and had a glass and she had poured water into the glass. What she saw after hearing this kind of clink or crash was what she saw was the glass water was swirling around, was swirling around like it had been disturbed. But the bottled water sitting right next to it was not disturbed. It was still. So it it was almost like the glass tipped and went back, but it made a loud noise, you know, in in an empty room. And so I was thinking, oh, okay, well, we'll keep an eye on it, you know. So I'm doing the shoot, and it's about midnight now, and it's dark, and again, it's really, you know, empty, an empty hotel. And I'm really, my frustration and my sense of feeling unnerved was like, um, was, was, had expanded and had grown. And it had got to the point where when the model would go and down to her room to do a wardrobe change and I was be leaving left behind oh I couldn't stand it and I just couldn't stand being in that that room you know alone so around midnight my wife calls and she's in Europe and so different time zone and so I go okay I'm gonna take a break and I'm gonna go so I step out into the patio and I'm talking to her it's kind of comical because it's like She's trying to remind me that she's just checking in. You know, she doesn't want to talk long. And she's like going, there's long distance charges going on. I go, well, yeah, but can we please talk? <laughs> I was like, like a little kid, you know, can we please just, can you tell me a bedtime story? Anything to keep her on the phone because she was calming me down, you know. But no, she had to get off the phone. So I go, okay. So about 10 minutes later, after she calls, I'm walking back across the patio and something catches my eye outside and so i look and there's this brick open mouthed tunnel hallway it looks like a dungeon but it's it's brick it's kind of oval and you walk through it past the aunt alice suite to the left and another uh, suite to the right and then there's some glass doors that open and you're literally inside the hotel so but it's open mouth so that you know you have to kind of go through the tunnel to to go into the hotel so i'm looking down this kind of creepy dungeon looking creepily lit uh short you know open mouth ho- uh, hallway tunnel and i don't see anything but i but out of the corner of my eye i thought i'd seen some kind of movement there so i'm like doing a check there's you know the lights are casting shadows on the brick and i can see through the glass door i can see a glass you know stained glass painting it's nothing and then there's a shadow over there and you know nothing to catch my i couldn't figure out what what it was that drew me to look at this place so then i i did another look through you know real briefly just noting things and then i come back to that shadow on the right and I'm like going, that's kind of a weird shadow. It looks almost blocky, uh, almost like it's wearing, uh, it looks almost like a figure, not quite, but it looks like it's leaning out beyond uh, a hallway, like it's peeking around a corner and it's short. And just when I was thinking, I'm staring at this, I'm going, what is causing this shadow effect? 
because it's a really deep, dark shadow. And just when I thought that, that shadow zips behind the corner out of sight. And I stood for a couple of seconds like, uh, you know, a deer in headlights. Then the little voice inside me said, dummy, go check, go check, you know, what it is. And so I rushed around that corner and that corner is only like an even smaller hallway that just leads to two doors. And it's like that Greek legend about, you know, pick the door, there's death and the maiden and the other, you know, choose which door you want. And so the door to the left, uh, I didn't know at the time, but that was to the, the one, the most haunted suite that ended up having the spiral staircase. But the one on the right, led to the bedroom where I was going to be sleeping that night. <laughs> so I went in looking like I had just seen a ghost and it's because I had, and here's, here, here it is, is that I had seen a shadow figure. That's what, that's what it's called, a shadow figure. And prior to that, I did not believe in shadow figures at all. I mean, I was absolutely convinced that shadow figures was a myth and a hoax put on by the paranormal shows. I thought every one of them had a logical explanation. It was a crew member or someone, you know. But in this case, I saw something that I absolutely didn't believe in, and then it darts out of sight and right in front of me. And, and I was probably about 20, 25 feet away from it, you know. So I saw it directly, not out of the corner of my eye. It looked two-dimensional. The only thing I can say is it was blacker than the other shadows, and that's what was drawing my attention to it. It was blacker than black. So I walked in, and I was completely unnerved. You know, by that time, I was, like, shaking and trying to keep my composure, and I didn't really want to talk about what I'd just seen uh, that much because I was still trying to process what, what did I just see. And then, but that wasn't the end of it. I mean, uh, we started hearing what sounded like footsteps over the roof. And at one point, um, I actually went outside and had to look because the, the footsteps were just driving me nuts. Anything, any weird noise at this point was driving me nuts. And, and of course, we're on the top floor, so it's just a Spanish tile roof. And I remember, because the model had heard it, as well as me it wasn't just me hearing it and it would be faint it'd stop and start again then stop and then start again and I, I finally said well I think it may be just a really big bird and she just started laughing at me and said really really you're going to blame it on a fat pigeon <laughs> you know said there are no birds at night and it's like a towel and I was like yeah you're right I was trying but uh, I just I was looking for I thought maybe some kids were throwing rocks on the roof or something but there was nothing to throw out there I mean literally it was a, a very well clean empty you know hotel and there were not even tree bark or anything there was just no, no rocks nothing to throw on the roof like that so that bugged me and then around four in the morning, four thirty in the morning, I was so exhausted by this time that I, I had finally reached a point where, ghost or no ghost, I think I can stay. I need to sleep, so I I ended the photo shoot. She went downstairs. I crashed in the bedroom, and then uh, I awoke with a really loud door slam that made me just jump, you know. And um, so I got up. I started packing my gear because I just left everything out and we checked out. But when I went down at noon to check out and pay the bill, uh, I asked, you know, who was up there last night on the fourth floor? Because, I, you know, I had some weird things happen. And there was a real loud door slam about 6.37 in the morning that woke me up. And uh, so everything's key carded. So she checked the uh the the computer and i was the only guest on the fourth floor and that no one had opened the door much less slammed the door
Thank you so much for listening this far that is just about going to do it for this ghost stories part six episode of the bobcast and i do want to say this is probably the last ghost story series for quite some time i really hope you did enjoy it great to have you here with me for all of those spooky stories for this kind of haunted sleigh ride in some ways so now it is time for me to say the thank yous and then i will let you go Thanks to all the storytellers. Here's how you can find them. Grace and Vivi, the Ghosty Girls. Find them on Instagram at ghosty underscore girls with a Z, G-I-R-L-S underscore official. That is at ghosty girls official. You'll find a link in the bio to more ghosty goodness, as well as tons of cool paranormal content on their Instagram page. A ghoul's Trip, Hannah and Ivy. Just go to at ghoul's Trip podcast, all one word, on Instagram. For all the ghoulish goodness your morbid little heart can take. Amanda Paulson, pretty effin' spooky. Yes, it, it is easy to get to her at pretty effin' spooky. She's on Instagram. She posts all the time, and it's always really great content. So be sure to get on Instagram and follow Amanda. Uh, Craig Owens, go to at bizarre underscore los underscore angeles. That is bizarre los angeles on Instagram. Every single one of these people are doing absolutely incredible things in the paranormal world. Follow them all on Instagram, and there's a lot of content that they all produce on a regular basis out there for you to check out, so please do do that. A huge Santa Claus-sized thank you ho, 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 to all of them for appearing in this episode. Uh, maybe a mall Santa is in my future at some point. I'm sure it is. 
speaking of Santa, well, we did receive some musical gifts in this episode. Both the songs are absolutely amazing. Uh, Angry Snowmans and Collide. Check them out on Bandcamp. AngrySnowmans.Bandcamp.com and Collide1, that is the number one, .Bandcamp.com. Why not give the gift of music this Christmas? You can do that with Bandcamp. You can support the bands. You can buy their music. You can send someone a physical copy of the band's records if they're available, or you can send them a download code. The gifting possibilities with Bandcamp are endless. You could say, I want to say thank you to Ty of Angry Snowmans and Karen of Collide for letting me share these songs with you. Give the gift of those songs to you this Yuletide season. Thank you very much. Also, please be sure to go to my website, which is IWantToPartyWithBob.com slash podcast. Check out this episode's page. There'll be many more links to all the various things that all these amazing people and bands do, all of their content. Please check it out. Please help support them. They would appreciate it, and I would too. That's going to do it for this episode. Happy holidays to you and yours. I hope you have a very merry and festive Yuletide season. Thank you so much for listening to the I Want to Party with Bob Bobcast. Bobcast.